Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone, this is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. What if I said some days I'm Scott Galloway? What would you do? What would be your reaction? Gosh, that's a that's yeah. a thought. That's a mind fuck. It's called a mind that's, fuck. That's a thought. I would like uh, it would be sort of interesting to switch identities with you for like oh. I wouldn't want to do it for a day. I would do it for an hour. All right. Well, maybe we'll do it on another show. I just, I would would just yell. start. I, I would all just... I would do is basically <laughs> text every big tech person. <laughs> I, I was just texting with Angela Merkel's people. But anyway, yeah. in any case, uh, I do. I do text a lot of big. T- Listen, I get them as guests. So just don't even complain. Don't no, complain. You're the, you definitely have pull around guests. I land our guests. So yeah. you just. Just be happy that I could text these people. Listen. Anyway, so Listen here's a couple me. of things. Listen to me. And there's a couple of things we have to talk about. Yeah. One, there's so much news. There's news all over the frame place. And, and Trump is talking about his cognitive test still endlessly. Um, so let's start on a couple of things, just a couple of uh, smaller items, yep. which is that uh, they're and they're big. The House ruled this week that federal employees can't have TikTok on their phones as tensions escalate over the possible ban on the China based app. There's a Senate bill. And of course, I think it'll pass. Um, Link, LinkedIn laid off, did a round of layoffs. And also Lane Bryant and Ann Taylor have filed for bankruptcy. Uh, LinkedIn let go of 6% of their employees. They're a Microsoft division, by the way. People don't remember that. Um, and Slack says it filed a motion with the European Commission saying that Microsoft is engaged in anti-competitive behavior against the messaging startup. Very similar to what Spotify did to Apple. Wh- which one of these smaller bits of news, because we're going to talk about antitrust in the hearing coming up as our big story, but w- what do you think about all these various? Still a very tense environment around business and uh, and tech and stuff. Well, again, we we're, we take this cold comfort in believing that the Main Street economy is fine because the Nasdaq is up. It's not. We're yeah. in the midst of a we're in the midst of a global pandemic. I don't know. I mean, Euro is working, but what I found is sort of weird. Is it's easy to fall into this notion that not working or being at home or is mm-hmm. normal. No, it's not. It's bad for the economy. And the the thing that again, it's just more a decade and twelve weeks of acceleration and. Asano, everyone predicted it, it, that that was shocking how long it took. Mm-hmm. Uh, specialty retail apparel, whether it's J. Crew, Brooks Brothers, Ann Taylor, Dress Barn, it's like, where's your mom going to shop now? I mean, yeah. literally, the economy has declared war on your aunt's wardrobe. 
Uh, all these guys are struggling. We are overstored three to five times yeah. the amount of well, that's square true. footage You've per person. You've talked about this before. This overstore. So this is just the the, the right this sizing is just of things, or is it is it is it the right sizing, or this should have happened anyway? Because they were doing fine before. They were decelerating, but at a slower rate, I guess. Yeah, Asana, Asana was going out of business, and so mm-hmm. was J.C. Penney's, and so was Brooks Brothers. All the guys that are going out of business, it's not it's not surprising. It's just kind of when was it going to happen? The mm-hmm. the more interesting news, I think, is LinkedIn, and also if you look at Twitter's earnings, and that is there's effectively in the ad. Uh, kind of the advertising industrial complex uh, to to summarize advertising sucks and the consumer mm-hmm. has decided that through a use of technology or a little bit of money he or she can now avoid advertising and all of their media and ad supported media is in the decline and subscription based media is accelerating and there's some interesting things that came out twitter's earnings came out yesterday and their business their ad revenue was down 23% yeah, but in the face of daily active users accelerating 34%. So, but think about just how mind-blowing this is, Kara. What that means is if if your daily active users increase 34%, but your revenue declines 23%, it means that you're monetizable. Your ability to monetize each consumer has declined Mm by 40, somewhere around 45%. This is a collapse in their business model. So what it says is the following. Twitter has a great business. It has a great product. It mm-hmm. has an awful business model. Yeah, the and they're ad small. supported business they're small. model. And we're going to talk about that in the antitrust thing. They're small. They're not, they're small potatoes compared to Facebook and Google. Well, well they, they actually they they have a they have a pretty big footprint, but their business model, ad supported media, unless you have the size and the scale That's and the targeting I mean. yeah. tools of Google and Facebook, you're done. So the consolidation and it's also impacting LinkedIn, which laid off 6% of their workforce due to, I bet, the softening in their business, not only is obviously hiring down, but I bet, I would bet, and uh, I would bet that, and yeah, we'll see this heart. if, if they break group. it out, that it's the ad port part of their business that is really suffering. Mm-hmm. So what you're seeing here is the beginning of the consolidation of media, and that is while Google and Facebook will take a short-term hit, their revenues will strike back, will rip back stronger because they'll begin to consolidate the ad market. But the other guys, the Pinterest, the Twitters, the LinkedIn's, they're not going to come back in terms of ad revenue. And it's more evidence that if Jack Dorsey doesn't launch a bunch of subscription pilots, there is no way he's going to be able to justify a stock price because the advertising industrial complex mm-hmm. is basically under unbelievable fire and ad because consumers have decided advertising sucks. I don't want to yep. endure this yep. bullshit. And the only ones that can endure would be Facebook and Google because of that targeting. And that, LinkedIn is exactly interesting because right. I think you, you hit on the head with them is, is um, hiring that that is the heart, even though they put all kinds of content and learnings and things like that. Um, it's really, it's it, the higher people aren't working and they're not networking and they're not doing the things that made that site very strong. I mean, for them. Um, and they're doing, you know, they're in within Microsoft. That's what's incredible is that they're within a bigger company, which could probably endure the price, but are not, I've decided not to. That company will come back stronger though, because I think over yeah. 60% of the revenue is some form of subscription uh, revenue. They'll come back stronger. They'll lay it off about a thousand people. They'll be tighter, meaner, leaner. They'll come back. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, you don't like to say this out loud, but that kind of calling 
yeah. or that force culling is actually, or they're shedding the skin, is actually pretty healthy for a company on a regular basis. As I you've mean, noted in your bloodless manner. Um, let's go. <laughs> but speaking of which, Slack. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. excellent. Um, <laughs> let, let, before we get to the big story, Slack, you know, filing with the European Commission, Slack, Microsoft tried to buy Slack, would fit in very nicely with LinkedIn, by the way, um, in those purchases, and fit in very nicely with Microsoft, along with and a bunch of other companies. A lot of people have tried to buy Slack. Um, had, has resisted, uh, most of them, thinking they can do this by themselves uh, and wanting to and having a better product. Um, so it filed this motion with the European Commission uh, about Microsoft in particular, although other companies, uh, in that case, it's with Microsoft Teams and the integration of it into its products. Um, again, this is going to the European Commission seems to, Spotify did it, Slack is doing it. Where do you put someone like Slack, which is trying to be one of these smaller players, you know, changing things, but run up against the big, big dogs. When I, when I take a, when I'm on vacation, I like to take my boys down to my nine and 12 year old down to the hotel bar and we order a can of Coke and we split it. Cause in our house, you know, God forbid sugary water ever mm-hmm. enter, enter their, their corpus. So dad takes them down when we're on vacation as a treat and we have a Coke. And now mm-hmm. every night when we're at home, Mm-hmm. They ask They ask their mom, can I have a Coke? And she looks at them like, don't even ask me that question. And then they will go into another room and they'll say, hey, dad, can you come here? And then I come in and they say, can we have a Coke? Ah, yes. And essentially, essentially, uh, tech companies now look at uh, Marguerite Bestier and the e- European Union as dad that might, ah. you know, it's like mom won't listen to it. The U.S. Department of Justice, the FTC don't care. They like monopolies. They like big companies. So we're going to go to, we're going to go to, we're going to go to dad, Europe, who might, who might listen to us. Yeah. I think Europe will pick this up. I think they'll pick it up. Yeah. You think they'll, they'll, yeah, they're, they're getting, basically, they're, the, the they're, letter was powerful. It said Microsoft is up to its old tricks again. It's bumbling yeah. my, an inferior product yes. and predatory pricing and, and, um, teams. I don't know a lot of people using teams, but I guess once you use it's it, it's actually growing pretty fast. Yeah. So, um, but in any case, you know, it, it's the same thing. I think zoom will probably have to file motions in the European commission. There's all kinds of interesting companies which have sort of pushed ahead. Um, and very few get out of their, um, get out of their orbit, pull out of their orbit, you know, maybe Netflix. There's some that do, but these are these small innovative companies that, um, smaller innovative companies that get out of these company these other bigger companies orbits who tend to copy them just yeah. like right now F- uh, facebook is copying uh uh screens they're doing screens i think that's what it's called to that's copy their tiktok competitor their tiktok competitor yeah. it's just you know th- that's what they do they put these tractor beams in and try to drag everybody into their product which is subpar comparatively um which brings us into our big stories Speaking of antitrust, next week is going to be a big week for the big tech four for the first time. The CEOs of Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google will all appear in front of the House Judiciary Antitrust Subcommittee on Monday. Mark Zuckerberg, Tim Cook, Sundar Pichai, and Jeff Bezos are all expected to testify in a panel focused on antitrust and digital advertising. As of today, it's still unclear if they will appear in person or virtually. I am telling you they will appear virtually. Yeah. These companies have uh, have all had antitrust inquiries over the past few years. Uh, let's want to go one by one, or do you have an overall thought? Well, my first overall thought is 
the last time there was big hearings, I was invited to testify or be an expert, and I yeah. haven't been invited this time. And I think it's your fault. I think it I is. I think I've lost a lot of credibility. I, I, yes. I was not invited this time. I have the, the ears is, of all these people, and I say, do not invite the dog. Seriously. Okay, what, no, I've lost a lot of credibility <laughs> here. Something, Something's wrong. Anyways, back back to the show. Let's go one by one. Who do you want to go okay. first? Well, let's talk. Let's start with. Let's go Facebook Glass. Let's go Apple because I think they're in the le- in the you know in the strongest position in terms. They've hired a very well known antitrust economist um, mm-hmm. who has been very anti uh, these big companies. Um, talking about the App Store, I think they have the most flexibility in that they can make changes and probably assuage the developers by making certain changes without getting uh, getting broken up in any way. But I don't know. What do you think? So in my No Mercy, No Malice blog post tomorrow, I'm, I'm putting together just a series of graphs and questions. Mm-hmm. And the questions, a couple of questions I would ask Apple would be that we often refer to our larger economy as the app economy. Mm-hmm. But the app economy basically has two, two com- companies that control it, Apple and Google. And Apple controls two-thirds by revenue of the app economy. And they place a 30% tax and they essentially get to pick winners and losers across the broader economy, across almost any. If it's mm-hmm. streaming, everyone from Netflix to Hulu pays anywhere between 3 and 8% toll of all revenues to Apple. And Apple can also, similar to what Google does, basically deprioritize you or you make you less discoverable and put you out of business yeah. just with just with a, a, an absolute flip of the switch. You yes, also have, I mean, I would. there's so much, you could have so much fun here. If you look at their streaming video service, they're offering you a billion dollars of content for 80 cents a month. And I think HBO is up at 12 bucks. Netflix is at, I think, about a buck 20. Uh, and the question is, how does this make any economic sense? Right. And the they're answer is it, it doesn't. Reasons, so what yeah. they're doing is they're using their handset revenue, a different business, a hardware business, to subsidize an entirely unrelated business, which is the equivalent of predatory pricing and dumping. I mean, there's just so many different ways you could look at Apple and say, okay, you are way too powerful. You own the rails. People have Spotify is a better service than Apple right. Music. Apple Music is growing faster. Why? Because the rails can favor Apple Music. There's just a series. So what do you do here? What is the remedy? What would you ask if you were, say, Congressman Jim Jordan? You, would, well, you have your sleeves rolled up? Sure. He will try so, to focus on conservative bias, but he shouldn't. But sure. So the uh, the most obvious one is regulation of the app store. Mm-hmm. Um, it because the the hard part, elegant antitrust. It's like a good virus keeps the host alive, mm-hmm. right? And we, uh, I'm not sure why I'm comparing antitrust to a virus, but yes, elegant yes, antitrust. Dr. Anti, antitrust not only unlocks competition. But it doesn't impair, it doesn't kill the host. In other words, the host goes on to be more and more valuable as when we broke up the baby bells, uh, each of them. Or So how do you break up the apps or if they want to keep the quality of well, the app? I think the Pret- only I'm way- pretending I'm Apple. You know, the quality is good. Like it's not, yep. a, it's not a crazy, you know, place like Google, the Google store, which is problematic. They keep a really good tight rein on, qual- you know, quality and mal- malware and et cetera. Yep. How do you break, how do you break it up since there's so tightly integrated and then we're going to move I, I on. I don't think you I, do, I think you regulate the app store because I think you're right. I think they benefit from scale and the core asset uh, of Apple is the brand and it would be very hard to figure out who has domain over brand-based decisions. What you could more do more sharing of information would be helpful with the with the app people because they take a lot of the information, more flexibility on the pricing, that kind of stuff that can be regulated. I don't know. They in can't. business in businesses you're competing in. If you're competing mm-hmm. against music against Spotify, we're going to we're going to provide oversight and you mm-hmm. can't charge uh, Spotify. You can't, yeah. 
Ah. You can't delay tools that get to Spotify, thereby weakening their competitive position against a product you are offering. Special carve-outs to the businesses you are in. What about the ones you're not in, where you're charging this 30%? Should there, that, that be, it can't be over this? It can't be, since you're the only game in town except for Google? And by the way, you're the only game in town for Apple. You have to have a, like a, a sliding scale. I mean, I remember in the cable industry, that was the case. Well, that's exactly right. We're, we're well practiced in this. When we have mm-hmm. one utility that services all of central Florida for electricity, we have regulators who decide what the pricing should be and that they're not being predatory or that they're not charging low-income houses too much money or that right. their billing is not too difficult or that they're not so putting... So we know how to do this. So this is a regulatory fix, yeah, not an antitrust this, But you fix. talked about, but this is antitrust. There is yeah. an antitrust action here, and it's something I hadn't thought of all right. before, and that is they could spin their chip unit. It's like people mm-hmm. don't talk about Amazon's media group. You know, business people don't talk about Apple. It's they are now manufacturing their own... Right. Uh, chips and their own microprocessors. And people have talked about that would be an easy one to spin and it would make the company um, more competitive or or make the market more competitive. Uh-huh. So that's a potential that's a potential spin. I'll be curious if anyone asks about that. But they Apple they don't think no it exists. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But anyways, that's Apple. Should we move on to the next one? Yes. Let's go to Google. I pick Google. Well, all right, that's an easy one. Uh, Mr. Pichai, can you name any industry globally? that is larger than $100 billion in revenue, mm-hmm. where one player controls 93%. Yeah. That's it. That's all. And and what? And then what? Well, doesn't that... they've flown doesn't, under the radar. Doesn't that imply? Doesn't really. that imply that you have more control of this industry than any individual company has ever had that much control of an industry in history, which likely and logically leads to the following abuses? I mean, they're both a market maker... Google Google benefits from the fact that that it's actually quite complicated. I mean, they're not only making a market with their old acquisition of DoubleClick; they're on both sides of the transaction. Yes, they here. are for a long time. And it's it's probably the most the most kind of obvious case of something that you know if you kind of own the market, you're on the buy and the sell, and you know both the bid and the ask. It's just not it's just not kosher. All right, and, so I'm going to pretend I'm ahead. Sundar Pichai, yep. and I'm going to say, uh, Mr. Ciceline, this is how it works uh, perfectly for all our many advertisers, and what do you expect us to do? What do you expect us to do? Split, split them apart or create separate companies, separate advertising companies or search companies? Can you break up search? You could break up, I mean, you could break up uh, the components of the, I would leave the search intact. I would spin YouTube. I would spin their, their, their cloud business. And then there's something around trying to figure out a way where they're not on both sides of the market in terms of how they manage the marketplace for, um, banner ads and, and digital yeah. advertising. There's absolutely more opportunity there because effectively every digital marketer other than those two has slowly but surely gone why, out of business because they can't compete. Why spin off YouTube? What's the point? What, well, the, for competition. So right. it, YouTube is radicalizing young men yep. and and could stop it, but they don't have any incentive to because they're the only game in town. And if you spun YouTube in the first corporate strategy meeting of an independent YouTube, they would decide, you know, I'd really like to have a golf stream. Why don't we get into text-based search? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. an independent Google that no longer has YouTube would decide, you know what, I want my second golf stream. Mm-hmm. So we're going to launch our own video-based search engine. And overnight, you have two viable competitors. And then one of them... Well, there was. It, remember? Google Video. I remember meeting with the head of Google Video back in 100 years ago. There was a separate Google Video unit, which they closed down when they bought YouTube. But that's 
Yeah, but the point is they're, they're now cooperating and coordinating. And when they mm-hmm. stop cooperating and coordinating, one of the things they will do over, yeah. in my opinion, a short order, they'll say, well, how do we get PNG to advertise on Google Tube versus YouTube, which is now our competitor? And they say, I know, let's put in place some, some, um, let's make some investments and put in place some safeguards such that young children don't see porn well, on what YouTube. What if the head of YouTube says, we just, he says, you know, we're going to hire Google for search. They've been hired for search, you know, to white label it, that kind of thing. They're the best. And they are. What do you uh, do I don't. I don't. I don't think that a you can make that as a condition of the spin, and uh-huh. b I think YouTube new YouTube executives greed glands will get going and go. We can get into text based search. Both of these companies would have gotten into the other's business if they were two separate companies, mm, and competition would result in more innovation and an ability or a willingness to actually make changes rather than just putting. You know, the CEO of YouTube is very thoughtful and very nice, just looking earnest all the time, mm-hmm. and then meanwhile. You know, they, they talk about taking down, you know, the, these comments are really ugly comments. Some of the comments yeah, in yeah. YouTube are just so vile. Yeah. yeah. And some of the, I, I just don't buy that it's the Wild West and we can't control it and it's worth it to bring you I videos. I would get rid of the comments, as you know. I just, just get rid of them. Just get rid of them. They're not helpful. Just shut them off. Shut them off. That's what we did. It, by the way, we did that at, at Recode many years, many, many years ago. It was a big hue and cry when I did it. And I'm like, you know what? It's a trash heap. I don't feel like cleaning. And I don't want it. But and Google, I, I, but Google, yeah. Google as three independent companies, I think right now, and it does, I don't know, about yeah. 1.2 or 1.4 right. trillion dollar so market cap. As three companies. Shareholder value. In three, in three years, those three companies are worth more in aggregate right. than the company is now. Create All competition. Right. So better for everybody. Better less for less radicalization of young men. And then Neva could come up, some others that are trying to, to compete. There'd be more. I haven't heard investment. much about Neva since you brought okay. it up. You I, said you were going to find out if I can invest, but I haven't oh, heard. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't I heard. I totally forgot. It's it's on the list if I have to call Scott back, too. Um, okay. You find, uh, my, you find time to text <laughs> Cheryl Sandberg, but not the dog. <laughs> I have not. I have not texted Cheryl Sandberg in a while. All right. We get to Facebook in a minute. Amazon. Wow. I think this one's easy. I think it's Marketplace, right? That's pretty much. That's yeah, but I, I would have some more cloud? fun with You'll that. I, I, right. I, I would more first, fun. I would first <laughs> fun start with off antitrust and Scott. Go ahead. By saying, let's look at the wealthiest men throughout 20th, 20th century. Carnegie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then Mellon, then Bezos, then Carlos Slim, then Bill Gates. What do these people have in common? Oh, I know. They all made their money by ownership in what was ultimately deemed a monopoly. Mm-hmm. How are you any different? Isn't that yeah. the one thing the wealthiest people... By the way, let's talk a little bit about your wealth. You yeah. now control more wealth than the defense budget of Britain, Germany, Russia, Canada and Australia combined. Is that healthy for the economy? I don't think they should talk about their wealth, but go ahead. Keep, let's Fair hear enough. this. Fair enough. When you when you have monopoly power and this type of power, when you have this type of soft power, including the Washington Post, which plays a big role in all of us clinging to the most valuable thing in our lives, the only thing we have, and that is the ability to get reservations at bad restaurants in D.C. because we're elected officials, do you not have too much power as a function of your Power. Monopoly abuse. Or better yet, in the last 12 weeks, there's been 10% acceleration of e-commerce from 18 to 28%. You control 40% of all e-commerce. Haven't you gained 4% share of the largest consumer market in the world, U.S. retail? But, Can you but name- Congressman, I'm going to come back. I'm Jeff Hold Bezos. On, just let me finish my question. Uh, let me, Mr. Bezos, let me finish my question. <laughs> Haven't you in the last 12 weeks gained 4% market share of U.S. retail? Has any company in the history of business ever gained 4% of market share of U.S. retail in a decade, much less 12 weeks? 
Well, you know, the retail market is a lot larger than you're talking about, Congressman. It is this many trillion and it represents all these stores. And we're just but a wee part of that entire. It depends on what you consider the market is. If I've heard that from executives, I heard from Uber executives, Amazon executives, Apple executives face, the market is a lot bigger than you're saying. And we are just a small part of it. And so if you want to look at it in aggregate, we are not a very big player. So, Mr. Bezos, that's a fair point. In terms of market share of gross revenue, you're right. You're only about 4 or 6%. And Walmart is bigger. I acknowledge the point. But if we talk about competitive power, if we talk about an economy, if we talk about taxation, if we talk about an ability to, for other companies to make investments, pay their employees, support middle-class households, it really comes down to market capitalization. And that is the market sense of how much power you have. And over the last three months, since your March lows, you have added more value to your market cap than all of specialty retail, all of department stores, and let's throw in Walmart. So the top line gross market share number is irrelevant. What's relevant here is power, and power yeah. comes down to economic might and shareholder value, and you, sir, are garnering 120% of all economic shareholder value, and everybody else has the oxygen leaking from the room. Yes. Well, very nice. That's, in fact, my column for the Times that is publishing very soon. A power. It's about power. Power is what it is. Um, yeah, it's about political power. 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 It's about power. So last one. I'm We've got to wrap this up. Power. We have two. We're going to have us an election. <laughs> let's count some votes. And let's have, let, let's count us some votes good. before we have an ele- election that, here. That is it's pretty good. Power. Power. <laughs> political right. power. Last two. we got to get through this. We've got a big time. Listen, Facebook. And should Dorsey belong in this group? Do Dorsey Facebook. has no business up there. No beeswax That's a up pimple there. Sorry, on the Jim. That's a pimple kind of on interesting the elephant. That's idea, nothing to Jim. Do well, you're not going to break up Twitter. No, but like they have, well, according to Jim Jordan, they have power in the marketplace of ideas. Also, Jim Jordan doesn't have any power in this He wants to muddy the waters. You know how he this thing comes muddy. off the track? He's a they, muddier. He's it, a muddier. How this thing comes off the track and they're already doing it. They're already announcing shutting down different things because they're hoping, this is all very mm-hmm. strategic, they're hoping that this turns into a food fight where conservative panelists start talking about conservative bias and the, yes. the liberals immediately go, that's not true. This with them. I have discussed this with they them. They have that, to show some discipline and show that yes. they are get paid their $168,000 for a reason and not go I agree. there. I have discussed this with them at length. <laughs> and I was, because when they were, you know, when I was trying to figure out who they were going to call, I thought, oh God, it's Diamond and Silk. And I think I texted one of them saying, I better not be Diamond and Silk as your witness. Um, and as you know, I was like, we need to focus on the power thing. But they're more that market forces will take care of it, by the way, the Republicans, that's going to be their argument that it doesn't need a breakup, it needs market forces. Um, Facebook, last one, because we've got to get to the next story. Facebook, three and a half Make billion, three and a half billion people on your platform. Yeah, you have more control in, in any step towards tyranny and any step towards democracy, the key attribute of power sociologically, economically, is control of the media. Three and a half billion people are on your platform. One and a half billion people are on it every day. More people are subjected to the information your algorithms decide what they should see than any religion, country, philosophy, economic system in history. And it has led to very corrupt, ugly places. Isn't your level of influence over a population the size of the Southern Hemisphere plus India, doesn't it represent and haven't you demonstrated over and over that you are a threat to the comity of man and the general well-being of Western democracies? Aren't you, in fact, the greatest menace? Aren't you, in fact, the greatest menace of the last 100 years? You can be a By the way, we're sick of your $2 billion beard roaming around the world for photo ops that make her more (laughs) likable. 
listen to me. That's a good argument. And uh, I would say also that you also don't want to monitor it either. You don't want to like you also are pushing away the, pa- the the responsibility over this that you that that is where I would also say. So very quickly, what is the the thing? And then we're going to go to a break. What is the choice here to do with it? The remedy? What do you break up? Yeah, what's the remedy? Well, the remedy. I mean, the remedy for Facebook is easy. If they can acquire Instagram and WhatsApp, they can di- divest them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the easiest one. It doesn't even, I mean, it, 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 even branding. And advertising. Let's not forget advertising. They have an enormous say over advertising and publishing. Yeah, there. Uh, it's Facebook is the easiest one. And also just the semantics of this, the big victory for big tech is their safety in numbers. And what you're going to see, the dynamic yeah. that's going to play out here totally. is that Every the, the majority of the ire is going to go after Zuckerberg because he's he's the least likable. He's the most offensive. He's the most awkward. The one that will it'll be what I'd call institutionalized fellatio will be Bezos. Yeah, They'll, as you know, they're all going to talk about how wonderful he is. And by the way, wink, wink, please invite me to your cool party in Calorama. And by the way, you just may want to just talk about what a good Republican I am in the Washington Post. He has more soft power than China right now. Yeah. And they're all going to just... Li- as and you- it's probably going to be on Zoom or something like well, that. Well, that's and the so problem. But this is what yeah. they need to do. This is such an important point. And that is the medium is the message. And because we're going to lose that moment for electricity or a, a, a genuine, authentic moment, they haven't been prepped by a bevy of consultants because it'll be on, on Zoom. They need to do what Katie Porter, AOC... And Elizabeth yeah. Warren are just genius at. And that is, these are not witnesses. They mm-hmm. are props. And they need to do the following thing. A dramatic graph highlighting their abuse of their monopoly power, which I will publish tomorrow. I'm going to publish about 20 or 30 of these charts. Good. Share screen. Ask question. Unshare screen. Look for two seconds at their emotion. Let them answer for three. And then show a new graph, new question, and just keep going. Good. Because the only thing that you have as an advantage as a questioner or a, a professor teaching on Zoom is you can better leverage visual aids. You know, in person in these hearings, when they try and use those bad yeah. easels and boards, yes, it doesn't work. I hate the easels. Yeah. You want to go to where the medium takes you. And the medium takes you. The only thing that's better about this medium, quite frankly, is your your use of visual yeah. aids. Charts. They should Charts. share screen like it's going yeah. out of business. Agreed. Ask questions. Move on. Basically, chart, share screen, question, quick response, wash, rinse, and repeat over and over I think one over of the issues, though, is given all the other forest fires going on everywhere, include, you know, Trump, Portland, this and that, the people aren't going to be paying attention. Someone who really smart wrote me, uh, nothing is going to happen until after the election. I don't think anyone cares, which is why they all yeah. agreed to sit now. So it has to keep going. So uh, some inside baseball. I know you have heard from the yeah. offices of some of our elected representatives. Yeah. And what and what has been kind of give us some inside baseball. What's the vibe? What's the concerns? Have? Well, Kara, we're trying. Right. And it's hard to get them. And then other people are like, why don't they just subpoena these people? Like, stop playing cooperative games. Right. Others are like, stop paying. Let's just subpoena them and have them refuse a subpoena and not try to negotiate and let them do it on their terms. But I think it's correct. It has to happen after the election. And and it depends on who's the president. Again, I think Facebook will do very well. Trump wins. I think it was, others, don't you think it was a huge mistake to let them? Well. I think they should have delayed the hearing until they could have done it in person because yep. you don't really get Possibly. you don't really get anything tangibly done. You, in you these. need the whole swearing in thing. 100%. You need the whole 
but they need to be done separately on each day. I have now come around. That is correct. Agreed. All right. Now, so we're going to watch that. We're going to watch that. And then we're going to tape right after. I'm going to watch it. And then we're going to tape right after it. I may go up there, but I can't because I have to talk to you right afterwards. But in any case, uh, let's go for a quick break and come back to talk about Twitter banning QAnon accounts and a listener mail question that is excellent. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Scott, we're back. Uh, big deal, even though uh, you pretend not to know what this is. Twitter permanently banned thousands of users spreading QAnon conspiracy theories theories on the platform. Facebook claims it will be doing the same. It's apparently coordinating with Twitter, but Twitter moved first. Twitter said that these fringe conspiracy messages are leading to harm, oh, big surprise, and thus violate the company's safety policy. Again, why now? The company will also be blocking trending topics affiliated with QAnon on the platform. Over the past few years, QAnon, which espouses that they have inside information about the plot to sabotage President Trump, has gained popularity on social media platforms, especially Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. The New York Times is reporting that Facebook has similar plans to limit QAnon messaging on its platform and is coordinated with Twitter to make the announcement in August. In May, Facebook removed 20 Facebook accounts, not very many, and six groups affiliated with QAnon. Uh, these are the absolute crazies that have been spewing all kinds of really awful conspiracy theories. Four years ago, this was around Pizzagate, I believe QAnon was attached to that. Um, so what took so long? And what what do you think of this? Um, because it's just because it, this 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 amount of information is allowed to spew on the platforms has just been ongoing, and uh, it's, part of me feels like the damage is done. Part of me is like, oh, good, you're finally doing it. And but I also kind of don't want to say thank you because they should have done it before. This this think? again, you can reverse engineer this to that twenty three percent decline in ad revenues, and that is Twitter is in the midst of this great starching or the move to try to be the yeah. iOS, and what they recognized is that. The if you think fifty one percent of America is blue, it represents yeah. about eighty to ninety percent of the decision makers in the advertising industrial complex. Show me someone who's a media buyer for Publicy or for ABM Bev. I'm going to show you someone who lives in a city and has a college degree, which is Latin yeah. for they're a Democrat. So they have decided they've all of a sudden found God around the notion that okay, some of this far right craziness should be pushed off. They will also push off some some crazies, and we have a lot of them on the left as well, mm-hmm. 
But basically they're saying, okay, consumers want a safer place. We're going to piss off people. But we have to either be iOS or we have to be uh, acknowledge we're a media company or a safer place because we are running out of options because this sort of like give voice to the unheard, get to massive scale, delay and obfuscation. They can't play that well nearly as well. They can't play that game nearly as well as Google or Facebook. And it doesn't yeah. work for them. So yeah. they are responding to general business strategy. And that is where the where they distant like million miles back number three here. So we have no choice but to Why go not? niche. Right. So let's go after the dollars. How do we go after the dollars? The people that control the dollars aren't fucking crazies and aren't going to get mad at us. You know what Twitter needs to do? And you know what, quite frankly, all these platforms need to do? That's one of the biggest threats to our society as a whole right now is 50% of America isn't sure they'll take this vaccine. Yeah. So what's the point? If all of humanity is focused on a vaccine and we get there, but 50% of the people won't take the damn yeah. thing unless we figure out a way to start educating people and showing them about the victories and about the most wondrous or mo one of the most wonderful things about our humanity is respect for the interrogation and the pursuit of the truth in the form of science and that it has done such incredible things and get people comfortable with the notion yeah. of taking this vaccine. Yeah. It's not going to make any difference. I mean, yeah. Moderna and Gilead stock Agreed. will go up, but we're never going to yeah. get to anything resembling Pfizer. herd humanity herd immunity if 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 yeah. the majority of Americans won't take I it. I think this stuff really does over time uh, just cheapen and tarnish everything it touches. And I do think that the amount of time, part of me feels like it's too late that they have allowed this to go on. Now, part of me feels like this is the way Americans are, have been. It just gives them more outlets to do it because they're, you know, conspiracy theories and this kind of behavior have been around since the Salem witch trials and before that. Like, we're, this is our thing in this country to be as ignorant as possible about important issues. Um, and, uh, and, and not wear, argue about masks. That's just to me is the most ridiculous. And then, and then, have Trump try to gaslight us and say he likes masks the whole time. I mean, this is typical. So, I mean, QAnon is really, um, has been helped and amplified and weaponized by these platforms. And they had a responsibility a long time ago. It'll be interesting. There's two things. If YouTube will be pressured to take action as well, you know, if Google, if Google has to, um, in that, cause they're a big, purveyor of this stuff. Um, and then tangentially, uh, this week podcaster, uh, Joe Rogan recently had a guest, Abigail Schreier on his show, wherein she spread massive misinformation about trans youth equating their experience with joining a cult, which, uh, Mr. Rogan went along with and said a lot of things that were super disturbing. Does a company like Spotify have a similar responsibility to quell this kind of, um, misinformation or not at all? Just, it's just like, it's just like, a um, you know what Rush Limbaugh does every week. Or, Look, I, or I think when a when a popular host person personality makes, uh, you know, stupid statements, people like yourself come in, shame them. Yeah, but it's there's enough. a difference between that and providing more and more oxygen to anti-vax content than it would get organically yep. because it yep. creates fair point. That is exactly it creates right. so much controversy and heat that results in more engagement and more Chibani ads. So you keep giving it more and more oxygen than it deserves. I do think yep. that. That the, the free speech argument around Joe Rogan and Rush Limbaugh is a valid one. If they want to say crazy shit, fine. Other people can push back on it. Yeah. But when you start saying, okay, uh, vaccinations are, have a direct link, a direct link to ADHD or whatever, and then okay, there's a percentage of the population that believes that wants to talk about it, fine. But when all of a sudden you start getting those messages from people you trust because their algorithm says the more we can spread this the more engagement and rage in Chobani ads, that's a real 
Yeah. That's a real problem. So I, I don't think, think the fair. two are the same. I think it's a false You're right. Good point. Good point. But we'll see what they do. It's good that they're doing this. We'll see what Facebook does, the slow rollers of all time, um, and if they'll do anything significant. But they just certainly, you know, I think in, in Twitter's case, they, they, ha- they agonize, and this is something directionally they wanted to go in, but they had this whole uh, free speech feelings and stuff like that. But now I think they realize this is not, this is hate speech. This is not free speech. It's a hate speech issue. And it's also something that really is so insidious uh, around vaccinations, around uh, plots and things like that. They have real world implications that are really dangerous. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do and what kind of pushback they get. I think most people, most reasonable people are like, yeah, this isn't like, this needs to be, have some warning on it, even if they might resist for free speech reasons. Well, speaking of podcasts, going back to the, um, Amazon issue. I don't know if you saw, but there's a little sentence or a couple sentences. Amazon is launching their own podcast service, and obviously they're putting out terms of service around one. Um, excuse me, around um, Audible. And the CEO of Wondery, Hernan Lopez, sent me an email this mm-hmm. morning. In buried in their terms of service for their new podcasting service, yeah. are uh, is is language saying if you're going to be on our platform, mm-hmm. you can't say anything mean or bad about Amazon. Uh-huh. And so the question, if I were on this Monday's panel, would be, so should we assume, Mr. Bezos, that any media property you own it will have explicit instructions to never say oh, anything bad about that's Amazon? A big Does deal. that mean the Washington Post is not allowed <laughs> to say anything bad about Amazon? Oh, Isn't this the whole point that when billionaires start acquiring media companies, yes, it's about power, Scott. It's uh, more soft power leads us to very bad soft, places. Soft power. Hmm, interesting. Okay, let's take a listener question. It's an excellent one coming from Scotland. Play the tape. You've got mail. Hi, Karen Scott. I'm Jack, a student at the University of Edinburgh. I want to hear your take on Uber's recent announcement of Uber Transit, a SaaS offering which delivers Uber's back-end analytics and management software for public transport services. Uber's also acquired RouteMatch in the same space. In the same way as Amazon sells on its own marketplace, should transit operators essentially competitors, be worried as Uber plans to host the transport marketplace through its app and now deliver the back-end software for public transport. Are we looking at an Uber monopoly on mobility, and is this SaaS analytics play a viable move in the wake of COVID-19's damage to the core ride-sharing business? Thanks for taking my question. Oh, you oatmeal savage you are. (laughs) It, it sounds a wee bit Glaswegian on the line there. No care. Let me just say Scott is a Scott. Right? Correct. Right. Well, Scott, we, Scott. What gave it away? Galloway? Come on. I don't know. Long line of drunks and Wasn't there a nice flat And underachievers. Wasn't there a Galloway who played the flute, I recall? James Galloway. It, on yes. the pan flute. On the pan flute. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're not like that at yes. all. Yes. Well, you know, when <laughs> you I have a date pan, over at... You'd be like a satyr, you know, with a pan flute. That's what you, I could see you like fur and playing a pan flute. No, would I would put on James Galloway music when I'd have a date over and I'd ensure that it was almost like a oh, prophylactic ensuring God. I would never conceive a child. Jesus. Listen, Let's listen to I'm some gonna, pan flute. <laughs> okay, we're getting to this this young man's excellent question. Yes. Sir, Edinburgh. from have you from been to Edinburgh? Edinburgh by Jack, the way? yes, many times. Really? I love Edinburgh. Many yes, times? many times. It's a great city. Many. No, I love Edinburgh. I love. I've driven all over Scotland, Scott. I have. A, I had a life before you, and I'm going to have one after you. There's so no such happen. thing. There is. There's pre Scott and Scott, and we like the latter. We like <laughs> okay. the latter. Listen to me. Yeah. Listen to me. This is a situation where I actually know something. I interviewed Dara Khosrowshahi many Take times. Take it away. A few years ago. Take it away. Uh, 
he was talking about this, the ability of like to, to wave your phone over a transit stop and pay via Uber. Now, a lot of uh, some subway systems like New York is trying to put in its own system, but Uber would be the payment system. And then also that Uber would take over some transit routes. And it's happened in China with some of their uh, with their ride sharing things as they take over popular bus routes or they do um, other kinds of things that is that works for the city. And it's a real opportunity, I think, given how badly mass transit is going to be. And even though I think it is a public good that we should have vibrant mass transit, I think it's going to be privatized after this pandemic. I think that all the mass transit, whether it's Amtrak or um, uh, the, the local munis and, and BARTs and wherever you have, that's in San Francisco, uh, or here, the Metro and stuff like that. I think it's good. They're going to have to make some public private partnerships and that's problematic. And Uber is there probably in a very good position. What do you think? Let's go meta on this. Adara Shahi employs what is, I think the key attribute and in innovation. And that is not being the innovator, being the second mouse and benchmarking. Mm-hmm. And he is benchmarking Amazon and Amazon. If you were think, what is really Amazon's superpower? Is it their data? Is it their storytelling that results in a cheaper cost of capital such they can pull the future forward? What Amazon has done better than any firm in history is this ultimate jujitsu move of turning expenses into shareholder values. So for example, what does the dog mean by that, Kara? What does the dog mean? If you look at product costs, let's look at their 2005 income statement. And this is courtesy of Social Capital. They did a fantastic job of analyzing this. Product costs used to be 73% of their costs. So what do they do? They use that development to spin out the Kindle, Amazon Basics, Amazon Fire, Amazon Echo, and they create great businesses. 3% of their costs in 2005 were shipping. So like, how do we turn shipping costs into a revenue line and create shareholder value? They spin out Air Transportation Services Group and basically are offering uh, fulfillment. Amazon, fulfillment by Amazon, which fulfillment used to be 6% of their cost, but now it's a service they offer to their third-party marketplaces. What was 5% of their cost in technology and content? Their own mm-hmm. web services. So what do they do? They build their own, and now they have the most yep. valuable company in the world trapped so within. this is an opportunity for, at for sure. And then they spin out Amazon Prime. They have their own payments platform that used to cost them 2% of revenues. Instead, what do they do? They take that they 2% cost them. and they turn it into an R&D expense and launch Amazon payments. No company in the world has taken a cost base and turned right, so it into- Bring it back, land it back to Uber, well, Uber so Uber could do Uber's this. Uber's taking their back-end costs, their infrastructure, their technology, yeah. and their platform, and they're saying, let's turn it into a business a la Amazon. Yeah. And this yeah. is this is such a genius move, and it's such an interesting thing to think about this. Take the infrastructure and the cost of your business and say- could we, is this so good? Could we spin it out and perhaps offer it as a separate business to other third parties? And it typically companies this have been able to do That's how I feel about you. I feel like spin I'm trying to figure that, spin you out in some way and make some money off of you. Sell you out. Sell you out, as they say. Nice. Rent you out. Rent to Scott. That's Rent to right. Scott. But you're right. I think, I think this back end software. I isn't it? I, I did something like that. Um, fledgling, these public transit systems are going to be in trouble. They're going to need help. And even though you've seen some of it in New York, I don't know if you, I haven't been in a subway in several months, but they were, they were rolling out their pay by phone kind of thing where you just waved your phone. I think things like they need to deploy them in these, in these kiosks and everything else. So that, that has to happen from a technological point of view, but it seems like 
Uber would be one of the ones because everybody has Uber on their phones. It's a utility really on their phone. Uh, and it's an app that's you don't do anything but open it up to get a ride or do something useful. So I think they have a big opportunity in it here, I do think, in, in public transit. And not just moving people necessarily taking over bus routes. That's way down the line. And that's a more difficult proposition because a lot of people feel this transit should be a public good and not a money-making operation. But you, you, they are positioned more than most people in this area, I think. I would agree. I think it's smart. And by the way, we're having Dara to school, so we can ask him about uh, that. But it's <laughs> it's going to shape up. It, it, everything is re- reducting to the same battle, and that is yeah. this, what I'll call back-end transportation services logistics. There are only, there are yes, only so many big pools of capital left to go after, and one of them is government, and that's yeah. probably the biggest pool of capital available out there and the ios will be uber and the android of this and actually i think who is probably even better positioned to do this than uber is google Mm -hmm. maps google you're right so i was saying google absolutely 100 percent. it's interesting they had they had dabbled in talking about that many years ago and we'll see if they move back there they've got they've got so many irons in the fire but excellent talk jack from edinburgh we really appreciate it Scott, we're going to take one more quick break. We'll be back for your predictions. Okay, Scott, we talked a lot about what uh, what will happen at the antitrust hearings on Monday. Do you have any predictions about their stocks, or do you have another prediction, perhaps? So a boring prediction, Kara. Uh, Monday is a big day for Representative Val Butler Demings, Florida's 10th District. She's being considered, as you know, as a potential Veep, and this is kind of this is probably going to be the first time that America is sort of introduced to her. So I would imagine that they are spending a lot of time thinking about uh, what she's going to say, what she's going to ask. This is sort of her moment, if you will. This is her. This is this is where you you know this is where careers are made uh, on Monday for for Representative Demings. Yeah, absolutely. I think she's a star and will be uh, on this uh, subcommittee questioning. The other thing is. The other thing is there's just going to be so many, I think Tesla is probably over the next 12 months, even they realize if Tesla sells every car in the world for the next 10 years, it's still difficult to justify their market capitalization. They've blown past $300 billion. When Apple blew past $300 billion, it was dramatically larger with dramatically larger profits. It's just if you look at any company that hit $300 billion, it looked entirely different than Tesla. And I can't imagine that Tesla wouldn't be firing up every investment bank and corporate development executive and say, let's go buy some interesting companies. If we're really going to, if we really want to be a power company, let's go buy. They just announced obviously that deal in Austin. But I think you're Mm going to see um, some very interesting M&A activity over the next six to 12 months from Tesla as an acquirer. You're not, you're not getting near the stock, are you? You're not saying a word. I have been, you mean the guy who said at 300 bucks, it was going below a (laughs) hundred? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um. <laughs> you're saying, but this is keeping. this one just makes too much sense. If you have this kind of what I, I won't even say, I, I won't even say it's overvalued because I get burned every yeah. time I say that. But this fully valued currency called Tesla stock that makes almost any acquisition of any company accretive, because yeah. so they should be out there looking at everything. You know, knock knock. Hi, how are you? Do you want do you want to sell? Uh, so this is, we're going to see this a lot a of good, M&A this is activity an interesting, from Tesla. All right, that's really good. I'm going to get back to you on the House, uh, the Antitrust Commercial, Commercial and Administrative Law Subcommittee. David Cicilline is obviously the chair. Um, Val butler Deming, she's on it. She is on yeah, it. She is on it. it. And so is Jamie Raskin who, from Maryland, who I think is He looks like quite, a nice man, doesn't he? Jamie he, Raskin. he was a teacher at, 
when I was a kid, when I was in school, I knew him a long, long time ago, and then he became a congressman. But he's super smart on these issues. I think he'll be a big a player here, a big talker. Val Demings. James uh, Sensenbrenner is the ranking member from Wisconsin, yeah. who doesn't look like he knows a whole lot about tech. But we never know. But guess Wait, who's on that's, that? Con- that? Oh, my God, I'm triggered. Why? Because he's what? older and white? Why would you he say just that? Doesn't, Why would you know. say I that? But I'll tell you someone who I definitely know is going to, like, wait in. I think possibly Jim Jordan can appear mm, representative here. Jaya Powell. She's a gangster. Because he's the head of the, of the, the, he, he's the head of the Judiciary Committee uh, for the minority. But Matt Getz, his, his, um, I don't know what you would call Matt Getz to Jim Jordan, but he, he is his, his, his proxy, I think, Matt Getz, who is, I think is, as you know, I call the fatuous chucklehead, um, will be there to talk about uh, conservative bias and he, he will might, sort of muck He up. actually might keep a low profile because of this ethics oh, investigation. What? Are you kidding? He never does. He never, literally, you know, what was interesting about a Washington Post piece on him. It's like, he's a minor player in actual legegislation, but he's a loud one. Otherwise, I think he will be loud as can be in this hearing. All the Republican members are, he, look like the Augusta National Membership Committee. Yeah. And, yeah, the, it's, and it's, the Democrats look like America. Guys, five white guys. Yeah. And the, uh, it's interesting. It's five white guys on this committee. And then uh, uh, an Indian woman, a white guy, uh, uh, African-American woman, white woman, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not going to just guess uh, what Lucy McBath, who's what's Gosh, her. I look at uh, it. It's so interesting. The difference between you and me. African-American. I don't even see color. I don't even I, well, see color. Well, you know what? I hate when people say I that. Don't even That's see not true. Color. It's not fair. All right. Any case, we'll see how that turns out um, in terms of where it goes. I don't think they're, uh, I think it'll be an interesting questioning. I think the Republicans, this is my predictions, will stick to the market will take care of this. We should keep our mitts off of this. It's the most successful industry. I think there will be much more on the tech side. And then they will, of course, then say, but we'd like you to not uh, censor us because that's what you're actually doing, even though they're not. That'll be their thing. And I think the Democrats will focus on the the, the money and the power, the, especially the money, how rich they've gotten, how yeah. much they've. And both of them will talk about how well these companies have done in the pandemic. And I think oh, these are the you words know, you're going to hear. Tucker Carlson talked about 100%. this the other night. Uh, so I think that's where you're going to Amazon, see a lot of what action. you'll hear over and over from Jeff Bezos are the following yeah. $15 an hour. We're yeah. pleased to announce we've raised, we didn't wait for the federal government. We've raised our minimum wage yeah. to $15 an hour. We yeah. are hiring more people than any firm in history through this period. Yeah. He'll position himself as the great jobs creator. He's very likable. He is, and, very likable. and he'll laugh two or three times, and that'll, that'll yeah. be the moment. And then the two words you are going to hear out of Mark Zuckerberg's mouth over and over and over. <laughs> I'll get back to you. Are, I'll get back to you, Congressman. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a bit. It, no, the first word will be tick and the second word will be talk. And he's just going to oh, say, yeah, China, he's going China, China. to wrap himself in the American flag and say those, those, oh, those nice. dangerous AI those weaponized Chinese are coming for us and we're your national champion to defend you. And Tim Cook I, is probably going to be like, why am I sitting He'll next to Mark Zuckerberg? He'll just stay the hell out of this. Stay out of He'll it. He'll just stay just, out of the way. I'm a likable guy that likes Auburn football. Yeah. He'll, he, Same as Sundar. They're over there in the, in the, in the we're just the, regular guys. The thing guys that's going to define these four yeah. individuals, it, for Bezos, it, be, for, be, for, for Zuckerberg, Bezos, and then what I'll call the other two, it'll be fire, fellatio, stay the fuck out of the way. <laughs> it'll be, they'll go after, be, they'll go after Zuckerberg. They'll get their yeah. knee pads out for Bezos. And the other two guys will say, just stay, just don't say anything. Let those guys go at it. We're just here yeah. to look nice. Yeah. And they are very likable as people and very, very, they'll, you know, for very, very powerful person, Sundar Pichai is extraordinary. And he is also coming to school. He is, he is wading into school. He's even showing though it's, up. 
That's right. He's showing up. So he always shows up. He's. I like talking to him. He's really. He uh, seems very likable. You By know what? He came, came here, up from products. Came here on a student visa. He did. Came here and on he a came student up from visa. Products. Why I like him is he's a product guy, and he was always the best product guy that I used to deal with around at Google or whatever it was. He was always um, he worked on a whole bunch of different Google initiatives and important ones, including Chrome. And I think I just really I like a product person. I do. I do like a product. That's why I like him. Mm-hmm. In any case, in any case, we will see what happens. I, I'm gonna <laughs> can't believe you just said that word. Uh, Fire uh, blowjob. <laughs> blowjob. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, of course, why can't I believe it? What am I talking about? This is like, what? Ugh, God, why am I even surprised? Anyway, Scott. I don't even remember what that is. Anyways, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What are you doing for the weekend? We have to go. I'm, I have um, things to I'm do. I'm headed out east to the beach. Uh, New York feels a little bit muted, for lack of a better word. By yeah, the way, muted. tourism in New York is way off. Not that you would think any different, but the city feels... What, one thing that's really strange about the city, there are absolutely no, no children here. Anyone um, with kids has gotten out of the city. Anyways, God, I'm headed so. out to Montauk. I'm going to have dinner at my favorite restaurant in the world, Crow's Nest. Um, Is it outside? probably more information you want, but that's what I'm yeah. doing this weekend. What are you doing? I am, uh, my son is going, my kids are away except for the baby. And so I'm just going to hang out and do stuff because I'm going to go away the next weekend to write an outline for a book I am writing. Where are you going and what are you, what are you writing a book on? About you and our relationship. Go on. Yeah, I'm gonna, it's a tell-all. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm going to take you down, Scott Galloway. Right, I'm going to take you down. No, uh, I'm writing because my memoir. Awesome. <laughs> fifty shades of the joke. <laughs> there is no fifty oh, shades of us. Listen, I'm writing a book of my memoirs. I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing two books. I, it will be announced soon. It will be announced. I, got soon. The I just title, announced it. Hot for daddy. Right. Hot for daddy. No. no, no, that is so not the title. In any what case, what are you writing about? I'm, what, what? I'm writing my memoir of Silicon Valley. They really want it. I know. I, I, I have a, yes, my mem- and then I have another book I'm working oh, that's on. It's hard to sell that as compelling. Your memoir. I'm just telling you they I did and at quite a sum. So there you have it. In any case, I'm going to be working on that. Um, and then of course and, the new and podcast. And I said the, to Carly Fiorina, your acquisition <laughs> makes no sense. And then she said, "Oh, that's a page turner. That's a page turner." <laughs> And then when I was done writing my first book on AOL. <laughs> you know oh what? My God. That's an algebra of oh whatever. My God. And then Calculus the governor married me on the steps to my second of eighth wives. <laughs> uh, I could write that book. Seriously. Yeah, you should. I could you write should. You could be I'm my ghostwriter. It is good. When it's a bestseller, by the way, my friend Amina Tadso, who we've had on the show, yeah. it, it, she's a bestseller. Yeah, she she's got all the bestseller friendship books. She's going to be a guest host on when you're gone away in August. Even though we're doing school together, so how can I miss you if you won't go away? Yeah. Uh, I have four guest hosts that are coming on because you apparently need some free time and I don't. Yeah. So uh, August, uh, August is when the dog the dog takes a run on the beach, chases and balls. Kara does it never takes vacation. Focuses so, on a pig's ear. All right. Okay, Scott, we need to go. Don't forget, if there's a story in the news that you're curious about and want to hear our opinion on, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Scott, you may read us out this Today's week. episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. Today's sound engineer was Fernando Finete. And special thanks to Drew Burroughs. If you like what you heard, please download... Uh, the podcast, word of mouth. We appreciate your support. We're doing uh, really well, and we look forward to seeing you hopefully at Pivot School. Please sign up. Seats are running out. That's a lie. The seats can't run out. But anyways, Kara, have a great weekend, and we'll speak to everyone next week.
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 